And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. We're here. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. And the Friday Jobs, jobs Report. Going to be a big one. Two jobs. If it's two jobs instead of 170,000 jobs in August, the Fed might cut rates and the market would love it. Now nah, I'm just joshing just you on that. It's going to be interesting to see, Danny, what the jobs report and average hourly earnings look like today. Yeah, I've given up on trying <laughs> to figure out what it's going to be, honestly. You're like, Powell, the sky is cloudy? Yeah. sky is I, cloudy. It'll be something. I mean, it, we'll it, find out. It may rain. It may not. I mean, I don't know. wonder what the Magic 8-Ball said. Where is That's it? my Magic 8-Ball. Ask it if it's going to have 170,000 jobs today. Will we have We're shaking 170,000 jobs today? For August. Ooh, you may rely on it. Oh. All right. Listen, that ball, I've tracked it since I've owned it for the last 12 ball years. It doesn't lie. It, it's done better than yelling. Well, that's not hard. Come on. Oh, Danny. <laughs> My. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> it's too early. Even I'm saying that now. Well, yeah, you, so it's going to be a big day. Well, it, well it, I mean, it these numbers are very important, and bad news is good news. So if it's less than 170000 then we should see the market do better. Obviously, we, we had a routing later in the day yesterday. I just turned around and went, what the heck happened? Maybe finally realizing that inflation isn't moving as quick as everybody thought, you know, even though the number, I mean, the number was up slightly, PCE. But did they expect for just to fall off a cliff? I mean, honestly. I I don't know what they expect. They wanted to, but we know it's not going to. And everybody understand. So people don't understand even how the inflation numbers work because when they still go to the grocery store, they're going, well, I don't see prices coming down. Well, that's not what this inflation number means. It just means it's just the rate of change has cooled. But you've set a new plateau for prices. And you're not going to see prices go back. I sit on enough conference calls with companies and read enough transcripts to know, and you all know, being consumers, that prices are not going backwards anytime soon. It's going to take a whole lot for us to see that actually happen, right? I mean, It's going to, yeah. These companies are not going to be, be very you know, inclined to, to reduce these rates anytime soon, especially with, if people are still spending, albeit it may be in other ways, using more on credit versus you know, cash flow. They if, don't have the pricing power they did, but to your point, Danny... To go in reverse, it's not going to happen. We'll see the shrinkflation first. I made, I mean, Lance laughed the other day. I said, hey, open a box of Cheerios, and I need one of those mining caps with a flashlight to, to dig in there to and find see out. where they are. Well, we noticed something. It's like, maybe you should change the name from Cheerios to Cheerio. Yeah. There's only one in there. Well, if you look at, like, a bag of chips, a lot of them <laughs> used to have, like, they were clear, where you could actually see inside what it was. No, you can't. No, they've, they've made it all where they'll put a picture of the chips on the outside, but they don't actually put the, ch you know, where you can actually see because you'd probably be like, wait, wait a second. How, how big is this bag actually? Well, you don't even need those 16 hand ounces of air. You don't even need those hand fans anymore. You just open the bag and it goes, <laughs> just put it near your face. You get a nice breeze and it smells better than Houston. 
So okay. So inflation's here to stay. Danny and I have been talking about this for a long time. That this 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 level of price prices there it's going to take a while. Sticky price inflation is going to hang around a bit, and that's just the way it is. And unfortunately, I think I saw the latest stat that sixty one percent of uh, the American population is living paycheck to paycheck. I actually don't. I'm actually surprised it's so low. <laughs> I mean, I was in Walmart over the weekend last weekend. Um, I have never seen so many Range Rovers and Mercedes <laughs> high-end cars in Walmart before. Uh, so that was an interesting perspective when I was looking around the parking lot going, wait, where am I? Am I in Restoration Hardware's parking lot or Walmart? Yeah, but I always find that interesting, too, because you go, you go through more affluent neighborhoods, unless you're like in the very, very affluent areas, and then you go to some of the ones that aren't nearly as nice, and yet, the smaller homes will have all the Range Rovers, the Mercedes, everything else, and the, the the nicer neighborhoods may have the minivan and the, you know, I mean, I there is a there is a certain. <laughs> I you I agree. There there is. It's weird. I passed this trailer park, and so I always look inside. It's very well done, very well manicured, and all that. But the best, like I wouldn't buy the automobiles that some of these people own. They're too exp- <laughs> they're too expensive. Oh, it's just crazy to see what most of these cars are going for these days anyways. But, you know, getting back to your point, as far as good news being bad news and bad news being good news, you know, everybody's trying to pin exactly what's going to happen. The Fed doesn't even know. I know Mike and Lance talked about this yesterday, you know, especially talking about meeting minutes. We've had a lot of people go through this and say, hey, look, they're going to they're gonna continue this hiking. They're going to keep going. Uh-huh. Yet, you know, these same people a year ago, 18 months ago, were completely opposite. Absolutely. And they had to switch gears. Absolutely. And they'll have to switch gears quickly again here at some point. But they're going to be very less inclined as well to, to do so just because they need as much ammunition as they can get, knowing that you know stimulus money may be harder and harder to come by. Right. And this wage issue, we've seen wage growth cool off. But it's, it's, it's so slow to do so. In other words, the pace and the degree is a lot slower than everybody thought it would be because there are a lot of businesses that still need workers and there are companies that are labor hoarding and they're paying their people to stick around. So, you know, but the job market is cooling. We saw jolts. We saw that pull back a bit. Um, we, we have seen, you know, job hoppers sort of not hopping anymore, right? We saw temp jobs wane. So it's it's happening very slowly. But, Danny, there's still... This to your your point earlier, <clears throat> I I talked to somebody yesterday about consumer spending, and they made a comment to me that you know what we they may shut us down again, so we weren't going to take this trip, but we're going to take it. In other words, you know this pandemic psychology has affected how we spend. Now maybe not people listening to this radio show and on YouTube, but most. You know, if you listen to people talk, they're like, listen, we're going to do what we want to do. And I'm like, you're going to get locked. You, you are going to go for being locked in again. <clears throat> you're going to go for that. We're not going for that again. I can't even imagine. But somebody did bring it up yesterday. That's why we're taking our trip. Well, but you're seeing other places that are beginning to, mm-hmm. to initiate mask mandates again. You're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, you're hearing COVID numbers tick back up. And so I think it's, you know, it, it makes sense. I get it. People want to get out. They want to do things. You've been locked up for a while. But, I mean, you would have thought a lot of that would have already been done. 
The only mask I'm wearing is like one for Halloween. <laughs> that's I don't know. There's Batman some places or that, that you or want. But that's like, it. man, a mask may not be so bad around here. People did look better. You, know, you don't realize how ugly we all are until you wear a mask. Go, hey, looks pretty good. Nice eyes. Everything else, woof. Stay covered. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting holiday spending season too. It's going to be where, where are people going to be spending their money? And uh, so again, interesting experiment we're going to go through here for consumer spending and pandemic psychology as we go through the end of the year. Danny will still be Scrooge. He's not spending. I'm not spending. Brent will be spending. We'll be back. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So what's interesting about this Lending Club study, <clears throat> they keep doing this. Uh, this is the 25th edition of their new reality check. Paycheck to Paycheck Research Series. So in July 2023, 61% of U.S. consumers live paycheck to paycheck. That's unchanged from June 2023, but two percentage points higher than July. So, but the, the crux of the spending issue are non-essentials, Danny. Non-essential spending emerged as the prominent issue, especially for younger consumers, especially Gen Z. So 29% of Gen Z living paycheck to paycheck, but they cite non-essential spending as one of the factors contributing to their financial distress. So it's not even like the essential stuff. It's all the other fun stuff that they want to spend on. So non-essential grocery items and clothing top the list for splurges, desserts, Candies, sodas, um, premium goods, foods, seafoods, those, were, those are, were lower on the scale. But clothing also, health and beauty. So leisure activities, travel services, non-essentials. Just tells you that maybe there's a discipline issue here with money. What do you think? No, I don't think it's maybe. I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at, just look at the sectors and what they've done this year, consumer discretionary versus consumer staples. I mean, you think mm -hmm. about the environment that we're in and even what that study just showed. And if you look at savings rates declining, credit card usage going up, um, this is problematic. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't, I don't see how, you know, you're going to be able to continue to spend this way. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think a lot of these people feel like they're going to do this because they know if we get into a dire straits, we get in a bad situation, Uncle Sam's going to be there to prop them up. And that is the problem with what the we have in society today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's what drives – I think that's a good point. I think that's what drives the markets too 
if you're giving young investors the impression that they're going to get bailed out, banks are going to get bailed out, FDIC insurance doesn't count, the, the Fed's going to come in, the government's going to come in, yeah, big pandemic closes everything, with markets down 20%, we're going to send checks out, yeah. Maybe we are training people to think the absolute wrong way and handle their day-to-day -day lives the wrong way. And I don't know how to reverse that. Well, just you reverse it, it's not going to be good. Nobody's going to like what happens when it's actually <clears throat> reversed. I mean, think about this. I mean, think about how good generations before us did. People who came through the Depression era, right? Or watched what their parents did. But around them wasn't good. They persevered through tough challenges. Correct. Right? They, they made conscious choices. They but had they to, were to survive. The, what Lance calls it, the adults in the room. We had more adults in the room than anything else. And, you know, the, the new fourth turn, Neil House book, if you haven't picked it up, the fourth turning is here. Don't talk, read it. <laughs> it does talk about this cataclysmic event that occurs in winters of societies and cultures that galvanizes the group to readjust, whether it's an internal civil war or a geopolitical war. But, or, you know, so he cites throughout history. I mean, it's, this is not a conspiracy theorist. This is someone that does a lot of research on history. So we read The Fourth Turning a lot around here, but his newest book, The Fourth Turning, is here, and he recaps the fourth turning, so you don't even need to buy the first book. Um, it's going to really knock you, knock you out as far as what might be coming over the next seven to ten years. Uh, and winter is classified as the rip. I classified it and summed it up as the rip in the cultural fiber. The foundation under your feet is cracked, and you don't recognize where you are anymore. Boy, that does sound a lot like what we're going through. Well, I, mean, I, I really do, and it's a little bit different than I think than what most people would think about when we talk about the fourth turning and, and typically what he classifies as major events, right? Yes. Usually they're, they're really bad in nature. And, you know, kind of like the winter, the storm is here. Uh -huh. Everybody hunker down. Whereas what we're seeing right now is the complete opposite of that. But I think what ends up happening is it leads to something bigger at some point. And like Lance mentions often, when it comes to markets and economy, we can be much more resilient than we can rationalize. But when we continue to have bad behavior after bad behavior after bad behavior, this is when it becomes we get into some trouble. Yep. I mean, I, don't, I just don't see a way around that. That's why it's important from household to household that you have these financial walls. These, you build these financial rules around what you're doing because that you can control. Um, you cannot control inflation, unfortunately. You can control on how you buy, um, budgeting. I mean, things that you can teach your children and, <clears throat> and, and, and do the right things and know, boy, Danny, I think right now if there was never a time, and we'll see in the next couple of years if I'm right, if there was never a time for a financial vulnerability cushion to have at least a year's worth of living expenses, put in cash that today is the day because we're going to go through now next year is supposed to be supposedly a good year for markets. That's fine. But I don't know. I feel after doing this for over 30 years and I've never said this to clients and I'm saying it now and it has nothing to do with any kind of empirical research. So that's why sometimes I'm hesitant to share it. It's just a feeling, but the geopolitical risk 
seems much higher than any time in my lifetime, in my experience. Even after 9-11, with that, that was heightened, but our response to it made me feel better to some degree. But I feel like something is coming. There's, a, there's like this tectonic shift in global security, and I don't know why I feel that way. But well, I think I, to I, have that financial vulnerability cushion, just in case it's tumultuous next year and at any time, it's really a good time, and you're getting paid for cash. I had a client yesterday that just said to me, hey, Rich, we finally took your advice and moved our cash from a brick-and-mortar bank to the online savings of banks. So now I'm making four and three quarters percent versus 0.4%. But what were you going to say? Well, and sometimes on that, I think you just have to do the math. You have to actually lay it out and say, listen, here's oh, what thousand, you would what you're make. Leaving on the table? Yeah. yeah you, would, you're, you would make thousands more, especially somebody with a significant lump sum on sitting on the side, versus sitting in, in that brick and mortar. You know what it is, Danny? Do you think people are just used to, they're not, they don't understand, like, Wow, they're used like, to it. They're I think used they're to having low rates, right? Yeah, but yeah, I think they're comfortable. comfortable, and they're they're just saying, "Hey, you know what? This is easy." So I've, if you I've show someone it. like that's a good point. If you show someone like, "Hey, that's four grand, two grand, three grand," you're leaving on the table. That'll get people to move. Yeah, <clears> but you know, I th- I think with what you're saying though, I I get it. Where you know you feel you have this feeling, and it's it's natural. I think it's human nature, especially when we have so much news that is so divisive. I mean. Turn on Fox News. If you have if you had two televisions like we have in the studio, we have two televisions that run side, side by side, three. But one's on Fox and one's on CNN. And I always love to see the headlines <laughs> the of what they're talking about. The differences, such stark differences, yeah. right? And, and really, it's it's kind of a, a lesson in just you know education, really, because you kind of and not that they're educating us, but you can see what they're putting out and how different it is. And I think it feels different because we didn't have the access to information like we used to. I mean, think about this. Even in 2008, the iPhones had just come out. Um, all the things that we had going on geopolitically, that was huge. Go back, and I always love this exercise, and I've shared this before, but I always like to go back just to kind of, you can level set. Go go to Time Magazine. You can pull up politics, economics. You can yeah. pull up all of these different types of covers. And I will guarantee you that you can find one from each decade that you could be like, wow, that's like right now. That's oh, what absolutely. we're going through. Yeah. So I think that yeah. it feels so much different. And this is where we have to be careful because we have so much information at our fingertips, whether it be you wake up, check emails, the iPhone, the, the television, I mean, you know, the radio, whatever it may yeah, be. You're being manipulated absolutely yeah, no every doubt. day by media. Um, and I so think we <laughs> always have to some extent, but now it's just so much it's in your more face. accessible. Yeah. But you bring up a really good point, too, is the fact that you cannot – and I bring this up to clients as well. You cannot take this out on your portfolio. In other words, you don't go into a bunker mentality. You, 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 you recognize that you may not feel right about things and you, bolster, you bolster your household finances, right? You do the things you can control. But that doesn't mean that you're going to go ahead and you're going to just invest like the world's coming to an end. Because if the world's coming to an event, there's nothing really you're going to invest in anyway. Well, and but, speaking about politics, I mean, yeah. how many people do you see, like, when Obama got elected, people are like, whoa, oh, I'm yeah, all Or even with Trump, I'm out. I'm No way. You don't know what's going to happen here. I think that is crazy. And I, I try to help people understand, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, if you're letting that drive your decision-making, right, compared to looking at the Fed and other things, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table uh, overall. And that's just a 
That's just to your point, just a bad decision. Gordon on uh, YouTube says the debt forgiveness is a taxable event. Usually, Gordon, usually, but that wasn't part of the debt forgiveness, student loan debt forgiveness program. That wasn't going to be the case. But yes, generally speaking, if your debt is forgiven, that is considered, what is it? Not phantom income, but that is considered a taxable event. Yeah, which, which you think about how many of these people, you know, we, we know the numbers, who can meet a $600 expense. It's very low. So now these people are supposed to pony up with <laughs> tax dollars, which is why I think they had to put that in that bill. Can I get a loan? Can I get an actual check from the government to pay the government? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're going to go get these payday loans and then the problem's going to be even worse, right? Can you go ahead and front me some money real quick? Oh, uh, man. It is. It is. Um, I'm always satisfied, though, <clears throat> when we help clients make good decisions, but, I, but I'm actually almost even more satisfied when we help client kids make good decisions. We're going to talk a little bit about 529s and how grandparents paying for college will soon have more options when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. So, we're going to have um, our candid coffees starting again up in September. So, keep, keep an eye out for signing up for our next one at the end of September. Should be a lot of fun. Want to make sure we're keeping you up to date with things. Different topics. It'll be it'll be good. And we'll be starting our podcast soon as well. So that also will be something that I we hope that you tune in for. We're just trying to get some 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 done overall and we're going to have some cool giveaways for you. Some RIA swag. We have a Lance flag that says, get off my lawn. Because Lance always has got that get off my lawn. Actually, he's got that look in his eyes sometimes. It's like, get out of my universe. Not even my lawn, my neighborhood, my state. Or he just maybe looks at me like that. I'm trying to figure that out. Eh, that may be what it is. <laughs> So we'll have some uh, we'll have some good stuff coming up. So <clears throat> obviously there's been some cha- changes to 529. So you know 529s are great. They're tax advantage. Contributions are not federally tax uh, deductible, but some states would have a state tax deduction for them. Um, they are really earnings grow tax free. 
and are not taxed when withdrawn to pay for qualified education expenses. I've got one for my daughter, but we didn't use all of it. So there'll be a provision that she'll be able, we'll be able to move money from her 529 into a Roth. Many stipulations, we'll talk about that later on in, in future shows and podcasts, but there is an outlet if you have accumulated some monies for your children in 529s and they're not using them and you would really like to still provide that money to them, there's a way that's going to happen. So every year we fill out the FAFSA forms. And these are for free application for federal student aid. And I always tell clients, Danny, I'm sure you do, no matter how much money you make and think that you're not going to get anything, fill out the FAFSA form. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think there's a lot of money left on the table. Um, and, you know, really with, with anything when it pertains to college education, whether it be filling out the FAFSA form, trying to apply for a scholarship or a grant, Correct. There is a ton of money that's just sitting there. There is. So don't think you may not get it just because of your income. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that people don't even try for. So I would absolutely fill this out each and every time. But when it pertains to the 529 plan, there's Mm -hmm. some new provisions. And so like you just mentioned one where you're going to be able, if there's additional funds, I think people are hesitant on the 529 sometimes because like, well, wait a second. What if it's not, well, they don't go to school. What if we're not going to use these funds? Uh, they don't want to have that, you know, those funds taxed later down the road or pay a penalty. Yeah, you can only kick the can down the road in your tax deferral on 529 for so long. Eventually, you're going to have that money will come out if it's not used and it will be taxed and it's always penalized on the earnings 10%. There's no waiver of that. So, but you can do a lot before that happens. But yeah, this is another way for, say, when grandparents want to go ahead and open 529s. What they worry about is that, will that money, I open for my grandchild, I open a 529, will that money count toward negatively for them? Well, I don't think that grandparents, for the most part, for the the amount of people we talk to, actually think about this because it's really, Uh it's an obscure rule. I mean, it's not something that most people know about or should even think about, really, because you think, hey, we're setting some funds aside for, the grandkids should be no big deal, but it actually is included in the FAFSA form. So, yes. you know, it's it's a detriment in many ways. And so this new law or provision is going to come out that's going to allow grandparents to do so and not have that negative impact, um, you know, like it historically has. So that's really nice. And so usually what we've done is say, hey, all right, you trust the kids? Yep. Okay. Put it in their name. You can still fund it, but put it in, in your children's name for the grandkids. <laughs> And now you're actually going to be able to where grandparents will be able to have that fund set up in their own name, still retain control over it, um, which will be very, very nice. And then that that other provision you were alluding to allows you to do thirty five thousand dollars left over, whatever, if you have those funds left over up to thirty five into a Roth for the beneficiary, which I think is awesome. Now, yeah, I don't know what the rules are going to be around, you know, like because currently you can change beneficiaries on those five twenty nine plans. Correct. So what if you changed it? Did 35 for one, 35 for the next one. I would assume they're going to put some type of hurdle inside of this that's going to make that a little more difficult. But I would think so. I hope not, because that'd be a pretty neat tool. It would be. So this rule is, okay, so I can go ahead. Um, this December, there's changes to the FAFSA form. It's called the FAFSA Simplification Act. And currently, right, students, parents are required to report income 
whether or not it was reported on a 1040 with few exceptions. But under these changes, income reported on the FAFSA is going to be linked to the parent's tax return and the student's, right? And if so, if you're a grandchild, uh, grandfather, and you're putting money or grandmother putting money into these accounts, that money is not going to count. So your your grand your grandchildren, uh, grandparents can write a check, give give cash, or provide a distribution from a five twenty nine without it affecting the grandchild's federal aid eligibility. We used to have. Um, Danny, most of the time, have grandparents write a check directly to the school. school. Like the school's registrar, yeah. Right. So this is good news for grandparent that can, instead of, they can open up the 529, withdraw from it for their grandchildren, and then not count negatively. And overall, Danny, I can't remember, isn't it overall $529 count for only a small percentage? against student aid isn't it all like almost it's all less than six percent it's not it's not nearly as much as you would think and yeah. so the there are some downfalls with you paying directly to the registrar in many ways at least that's what a lot of experts say because mm-hmm. you know when you're doing so you're showing the university that there's somebody outside yes who's willing to pay which therefore could be to the kids like detriment. For scholarships especially yeah. yeah it could be to their detriment where they say well you've already got funding most of these people don't um you know they may overlook somebody because there's, of that. There's so many things you got to look at. Oh, it's, it's crazy the amount of things. Go to that a are trade there. school. Just, I wrote about it in my book, Ten. Be a plumber, be an electrician, do something with your hands, man. You know how much money is to be made out there? If, oh you, can, my gosh. if you can go to a trade school, but you also understand business, oh. I mean, you make a killing. I mean, it, it is, yeah. it's, I think it's so often overlooked I on that aspect, think too. Overall, the stigma, which has been terrible against trade schools is diminishing. And I will tell you, that really started a lot of times from the greatest generation. My grandparents, their first generation Americans, their grandparents, their parents were from Italy. But my grandparents are always, they were janitors in public schools. And they were part of a union. And, but yet they able to buy a house and had a new car and couldn't figure that out. <coughs> Boy, times have changed. But um, <clears throat> but they would say, listen, you're not going to do manual labor. You're going to college. Like, that was the mantra that was stuck in your head. They didn't want you mm-hmm. to work as hard as they did. And do. And the they wanted they things to be to. better for you. And right away, college, and maybe at that point, college was, compared to what it looks like today, which it seems like an indoctrination station. So Well, it is. Yeah, but... But and I'm not saying there's anything against college. There's you know you got to make sure you're going for the what is the return on investment. I'll believe, I've always believed that colleges should put a return on investment on their calculators on their websites to say if I go for this particular subject, how much money am I going to make? But then that well, that's that's the other problem, right? When when we saw the government take over student loan education again, is that all of a sudden, hey, you want basket weaving? Great, here's money. Instead of it being <laughs> privatized, where they say, "Whoa, hang on, hang on now, you're never going to be able to pay this back. This makes no sense." And but you, you know, you mentioned a couple of things about your grandparents. Number one, I, mean, I know this from years of, of having these discussions with uh-huh. you. They did things that most people wouldn't. No, they your were your grandmother saved babies. tin, to- tin yeah. foil. Yeah, they, you know, you had a, you had a 
Cool Whip container. She probably used it for 15 different things before that it broke and had to throw it away, right? so stained I mean, but, all kinds of junk. But those are the things that they did that we wouldn't do. And I bet yeah. they'd roll over in their graves right now if they found out how hard you're working and the job that you have now because you went to college. They say, where's your where's work-life balance, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's good and there's bad. Yeah, there is. There is, you know, and and sometimes parents, I don't think, I when as we talk to so many clients, they don't get really engaged with their kids. Like if their kids say, I want to go to school for management. Instead of parents saying, listen, I know it's your life, but let me just share with you a little bit of that. Yeah, if you're going to, there's some rules around how much you're going to make and how much debt you're going to take on and just be careful with this, right? But I think this this stigma of trade is starting to diminish, Danny. I hope so. College enrollment is down. I think I think I mean it's gonna take a while, but I think if we continue on this pace, <clears throat> we're gonna see some issues with attendance. Well, notice how much and, it costs now to, to get things done, right? You need an electrician, you need a plumber. Oh my gosh. Through the roof. You talk about inflation, these guys got you, right? And, and you because said there's with, not you, there's not the competitiveness. Yeah, didn't you say with uh, Lance, on Wednesday, like, you can't fix a car anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a computer on wheels. <laughs> Got to bring it in. And yeah, that takes specific skill, qualifications. That's not some crappy job. I mean, you know how to work that stuff. The world's, you know, your oyster. I do think that more and more kids and more parents should be having this discussion with their kids. If you like working with your hands and you don't want to go to college, you're still going to, you can still make. I still think I'd rather living. be a plumber or an electrician versus an auto mechanic in the future. You're going to put robots. You talk about AI and robots, that's where they're going to be. There's some days today I would rather be an electrician or a plumber. I'll be right back. <laughs> Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. From this never happens to me department, a $4 art piece purchased at a New Hampshire thrift store six years ago could land a buyer hundreds of thousands of dollars. So a woman goes into this Savers thrift store in Manchester, New Hampshire. She's like, she's looking for frames and she's gonna fix them up and she's gonna sell them and she she buys this painting. She really buys it for the frame. And it turns out to be Newell Converse Wyeth creation, which is set to auction on September 19th, estimating bidding price between 150,000 to 250,000. This kind of stuff never happens to me. <clears throat> I'll go through a thrift store and go, look at that. That, That's a nice-looking piece. You think it's one of those things? Well, stop window shopping, right? you got to buy this stuff if you actually want to see. Yeah, but... So this artwork was part of a series of four pieces created for the 1939 edition of Helen Hunt Jackson's 1884 novel Ramona, 
which follows a Scottish Native American girl living in Southern California after the Mexican-American War. So she's just buying this because she's going to fix up the frame and sell this, probably throw the painting away. So I, it's interesting to figure out how she... <laughs> so that's just... How she found know. out it was worth something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she says that the auction house believed that the frame holding the painting was chosen by actually the Wyatt himself as a basic molding to protect the edges and the corners of the work as it traveled from his studio in Pennsylvania to, to this, this destination. Interesting. Yeah, so that's yeah. really amazing uh, when you think about what you may find. And you always hear about this stuff, people finding stuff in their... Like they tear down the house, they do a renovation, and they find all this cash in the wall. Or all the, well, I think I read in Texas about a guy that found all this gold in his yard. Like that, you know what's in my yard? Dog duty. You'd, you'd be the guy that would tear down the wall and find nothing, but you see that the other yeah, day? This I, guy I, tore down the wall and he found a, body. found a bunch of rum bottles, like 150 of them or something. That was yeah, the but insulation. They were, but they were at least worth something. Were they? Were, I think then they find some bottles that has, actually had some rum in it, like from. Prohibition or something in Chicago. Like when you do those, when you renovate those Chicago homes, I've noticed, man, there is some stuff you find like cash, prohibition liquor. Like don't, don't throw away grandma's bed. It's like the one where they threw away, they threw away the bed, thought they were doing her a favor and she had like a million (laughs) dollars. In the mattress, like literally. I mean, I don't know how you can't figure that out. Don't feel oh it. Oh my gosh! Man, there got, must be some bed bugs in here. This thing's heavy. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Can you imagine that? Uh, don't tear down those old homes without going through the walls, right? In New York, in but Chicago always has something entertaining that people find in the walls. I cannot. Re- I remember like when they busted down the wall. There's just piles of cash. <laughs> Must have been like, you know, a rum runner or something like that. Just, I don't know. Always, those stories fascinate me because you got to figure out when you look at it, you got to, you know, when that happens, like when you like probably win the lottery, you go, what? <laughs> is this, am I seeing this? Like I'd have to call somebody over and go, is this real or am I, do I have a brain tumor? <laughs> what, what's going on here? So. But uh, it's always cool to see these stories or hear about these things when, especially like Antique Roadshow. Yeah, my grandmother used to have this thing. Here it is. It's like, look at it. It's ugly. What is it worth? Five bucks? Oh, no. That is a rare Brent Clanton model from 1825. And that's worth $502,000. Oh, thank you, Grandma. So, always fun. And it's so sentimental until they figure out how much it's worth. They're like, whoa, that hits yours. Hey, listen. There's nothing sentimental about pfft. You can have it. Brett and I were looking for our old Pee Wee Herman dolls, thinking they were worth something. I couldn't find one there. I was cleaning out the garage. <laughs> Did you have some garage finds this week, Richard? Yeah, broken tiles. Not worth anything. No. So, so listen, we knew about, we talk about the SECURE Act uh, all the time, and... Um, we talked about how Roth was not going away. If anything, this is the Rothification Act of America. And there is this stipulation that, that for catch-up contributions in retirement plans for employees age 50 or older whose wages for the prior year exceeded 145000 had to be made in Roth. 
from the article that Ed Slot wrote in the, for this investment was he calls it controversial rule. I don't think there's anything controversial about it. I think it's darn good. But now IRS has proactively responded to requests for relief made by some of the country's largest planned record keepers because we're not ready for it. We're little girls, and we're just not ready for this Section 603 to happen. So now they're going to provide a two-year administrative transition period until June 1st of 2026 before plans must comply with that new law. I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> What's the you limb? You probably know where I'm going. I, th- I, think, I think I do know where you're going there. What happens in 2026? Oh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets at the end of 2025. So now they collect more money because you're forced to put those funds into the Roth catch-up provision. How dare you? And they're encouraging you to go ahead and do a pre-tax to lower your taxable income right now. And in 2026, your tax rates will likely be higher. You know my new nickname for, for Danny is? I don't even want to know. Nostradamus? Mulder. <laughs> Fox Mulder. Yeah. Hmm. Always skeptical, always believing in the other things, and I'm like skeptical. It just makes common sense. No, no, but there's I mean, no skepticism <laughs> here. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, but that does, this is that great. Is Go ahead, be. put it pre-tax. Don't worry about it. In a couple years, you're not oh, going to be able to do it. We're going to be making it. a lot more money. It's it's Danny Rapladamus. <laughs> no, wow. it's just yeah. Read what's happening. He just understands how insidious the thought mm-hmm. process is mm-hmm. when it comes to all this stuff. And and it's look, absolutely true because the uh, the IRS seem like really happy to help with this act. Oh, of course we'll help you largest plan record keepers even though you're crying like little girls. So, so we're going to get on, more though, money. Do, do you, I mean, do you really think that we can't figure out the paperwork needed or the, the no. algorithm that they need How to switch their... Be? No. They can do it in a day. They don't want to do it because then they figured out, wow, this is a great bill. It's going to be a heck of a lot better. We wait a minute. Where's the? Do you have the uh, X Files theme anywhere? No. <laughs> this is no conspiracy. I know, but it makes a lot of sense. I never think of it that way, and then you come across, and I go, wait a minute. That's absolutely true. Oh, you, you've taught me to look at these things and say, well, what is going on here? Um, well, I've got rose-colored glasses today, or I think it's garage dust. Um, but, you know, I think it's great that you, I know what you're forced to do these catch-up in Roth, but these, this is going to be the best thing for you to have a pot of money that's completely tax-free. Yeah, it'll be great. I mean, if you look at making those contributions, especially over longer periods of time, I think it's it's really nice to have that flexibility. And you mentioned something earlier. You like working with young people um, because, and I, and I know why, because you can do so much more versus somebody saying, Hey, here's my 401k. Help me with it. And granted, we, we love doing yeah, that you as can well. Teach we them. can they're, find ways. They're ripe for learning. Yeah. They're, they're, you can find ways, but if somebody had taught <laughs> you this stuff when you're twenties and thirties and you were able to actually execute on it, yes. act on it, you are going to be in such a great position later in life with so much more flexibility than, most people, because we've talked about this, the mainstream financial media has always, always taught us pre-tax, pre-tax, pre-tax. And now you're going to be in the lowest tax bracket when you retire. But they, <laughs> well, but they never told you about that Social Security's tax. They never told you that Medicare premiums increase if you spend too much money. They, you know, all of these little things, these back pocket taxes that yes. they never address is not in the mainstream financial media because most people don't even think about it, nor are they taught to actually look at this. 
this is the problem. And so when you when you can help somebody, and it really doesn't matter what age, you're still working, accumulating, you're putting funds aside, you're understanding, you know, how to take advantage of all of your benefits that you have offered through either work or even if you're a business owner, what you can and can't do. You there's so many options out there and there's so many ways to look at this, but just putting those funds and dumping them pre-tax is not the way to go. And so by forcing us to do this for the next two years and getting to, to 2026 or two years in a couple months, this is going to actually work in their favor, I, I believe. I don't know. I guess you think about it, maybe they could need, they need the tax dollars now. They're going to need them later. I don't know. Maybe there's no, there's no reason to delay. Maybe they can't just figure it out. These record keepers have tremendous technology. And they're, they have access to much information and money to make this happen. It's like a switch, really. You think about it, how hard is it to code? If this some person makes X amount, it has the catch-up contributions have to go to Roth. How tough could that be? Yeah, no, I take that last statement back. Now I think about it. If you're Uh-oh. if you're putting in pre-tax now, you're going to yeah. take it out at a higher rate later, uh-huh. and then you force everybody to at the same time when tax rates go up. So yeah, never mind. Retract that final statement, please, from the record. I shall Mulder. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes with the SECURE Act. There's going to be a lot of going back and forth. So your financial advisor is really going to need to understand the dynamics. Uh, now, also, the same notice, the IRS stepped up to fix a glitch that inadvertently eliminated the ability for any employees to make catch-up contributions at all beginning in 2024. So, again, kick the can down the road. But if you think Roth is going away, got another thing coming to you. The theme here is Rothification is coming, but it will be painful in the short term. But long term for you, it'll be better. Which makes me think in 20 or 30 years, they will change Roth. Not now. But they're going to need money then, and then they're going to have to try to figure out what to do. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you have a great restful Monday. We'll see you back here on Tuesday.